know, when we talk about the incarnation, when we read John 1, 1 through 14, usually we think about Christmas time. And here it is in the middle of July, and it's 90 degrees outside. And I'm going to talk to you about Christmas. Now, I love Christmas. I hope you do, too. I love the joy of Christmas. I love the decorations, the lights, and the colors. I love the family events. I love the music of Christmas, don't you? Please think back to what happened right here last December. Our choir with a beautiful orchestra and an absolute wonderful celebration of Jesus Christ because it was Christmas time. And I've got to be a little honest, I also like Christmas just a little bit because it's my birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a, well, they call it a Christmas baby. I'm sorry, look at me. I don't look like a baby. <laughs> and that was a long time ago. <laughs> but I love Christmas. And the main reason I love Christmas is because it allows us even an extra emphasis to focus on Jesus Christ and his birth because we see the baby Jesus in the manger through our images, through our scripture, through our songs, and we celebrate his birth. Now, wait a minute. Maybe I'm a little confused. Because was Jesus born? Now, yes, before you get concerned, I do believe in his birth. I do believe that he came as a human being. I do believe that uh, Mary and Joseph and Mary carried that baby in her womb for nine months. I do believe that that young couple... Uh, struggled with some things and then celebrated the birth of this little child. Yes, I do believe in the miraculous conception because Mary had not been with a man, but the Holy Spirit had put Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. I do believe in all of that. But am I also not correct that Jesus couldn't have been born because he had always existed. But do you understand that this is part of the mystery, part of the miraculous nature of our Lord and Savior? Because he had always been, and now he had chosen through his love and devotion and commitment to you and me to come here as a human being and live on this earth. And so it's, a, it's an amazing picture. Christmas and the incarnation. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because I want you to remember, and even the scripture that I read a moment ago, it says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, who was the Word? Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Now, again, some people don't know about the divinity of Jesus Christ. Right there, that statement says the word Jesus Christ was God and he was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, Scripture says, had always existed. Now, also, I want you to remember, and there are several places where Jesus in the New Testament, during his ministry... He uses a phrase, and the phrase is, I am. Now, the first place we see it, he's encountering in the 8th chapter of John, he's encountering some of those people that he struggled with an awful lot. They're called Pharisees. And the struggle is going on pretty intensely because the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed. And Jesus is stating to the Pharisees, even though they're saying we are descendants of Abraham, we are Jews of the Jews. And Jesus is saying to them, well, if you were descendants of Abraham, you would not want to kill me. And they were already plotting to take his life. And they kept saying, well, we know that you're demon-possessed. And he said, well, no, if you were Jews, if you were true-believing godly Jews, you would not want to kill me. You would believe what I'm saying. And this went on and on. And finally, here's what the, the end result of that was. It says that the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, the Jews said? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? They said to Jesus. And Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing me and my day. And then they said, You're not yet even 50 years old. Are you telling us that you have seen and that you know Abraham? You know that you're demon-possessed. And Jesus said right there, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now, I want you to hear that because that's the very words of Jesus Christ. And so that I am statement means I have existed. I have always existed. And so we do not come in the name of an empty God. We do not come in the name and the purpose of a of a weak God. We come in, in the name of an eternal God. He has always been. He is right now. And he will always be. And that's the kind of kingdom that you and I have the privilege of being a part of. Now, part of what I want to share with you today is related to some terms that maybe you're familiar with. I hope so, but maybe you're not, and I'm going to tell you that I didn't know about some of these terms in my younger years, and then one day I heard somebody make the statement that he was studying about the pre-incarnate Jesus, and I said, what? The pre-incarnate Jesus, and I asked this fellow. We were in a discussion, and I asked him, I said, please, I, I just am not familiar with that term. And he said, well, we can sort of say it about the 
pre-existent Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, I'm still not doing real well with this yet. And so this fellow that I was talking to explained it to me. And he said, and I became fascinated with this, he said that there are all sorts of places in the Old Testament where Jesus actually had come to be with his people and to carry out some of his purposes. And this was prior to Christmas. That's why today I decided to entitle this message that I'm sharing with you right now, Did We Know Jesus Before Christmas? Now, I want to say to you, if you have not realized this, that there are all sorts of places where we can see Jesus. And there is another word. It's called a Christophany. Have you heard that word? Christ appearing. Christophany is the term, the official theological term, about Christ appearing several times in the Old Testament. Now, I'm sure you know some of these stories, but I'm going to remind you. And I just want to celebrate the fact that Jesus, in his complete love and devotion to you and me, and all of his desire to be with his people, and all of his desire to give grace and truth and guidance and love, that he, even before Christmas, even before the baby Jesus, that his complete commitment was to be here and to take care of you and me, to take care of his people. And so the first story I want to remind you of, and this is all, all of these stories are in the midst of very difficulties, uh, despair and mistakes and uh, attacks and threats where Jesus comes and appears to his people. And the first story I want to remind you of is all the way back with Abraham and Sarah. Now, you know some of the story about Abraham and Sarah, and you know that God had promised Abraham that God was going to bless him with all of these descendants, all of these offspring, all of these people that were going to come, and that Abraham was going to be the father of many, many, many nations. And that all sounds pretty good. But Abraham and Sarah didn't have any children. Now, how old were they? Oh, they were getting on up there. They're even older than I am. And they had not had any children. And unfortunately, they decided to take matters into their own hands. Do you remember the story? Now, ladies, I'm sorry, but Sarah initiated this. But guys, don't turn your head because Abraham went along with this. That Hagar, this maidservant of Sarah, and Sarah said, let's see if we can start a family through her. And you know the rest of how that happened. And unfortunately, Ishmael was born. And Ishmael, the father of the Arab nation. And we've suffered from that for all these many years. Well, that was when Abraham was about 86 years old. Sarah was probably about 75 years old. But they did have Ishmael. And Abraham even went to God and said, can we just do this all through Ishmael? And God said, no. This child has got to be a child of purity. He's got to be a child of, 
of my ordination, of what you and your wife Sarah produces. And he said, you're going to have a son. Now then, we boil it down to where did Jesus come into this? Because Scripture tells us that after God and Abraham had had all this and Ishmael was on the scene and the Hagar situation had happened, that Abraham was sitting under a tree and he quickly saw three men. You remember the story? He saw three men and he got all excited and he felt impressed that they were lords or the Lord. Well, one of those men is a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus Christ. And the story goes that Abraham served them and fed them and took care of them. And then Jesus in his Christophany, in his appearance, said to Abraham, your wife is going to have a child in one year. And you're going to name that child Isaac. And this is going to be the father of your nations that I have promised you. And what did Sarah do? She laughed. I'm sorry, but Sarah was 90 years old at this time. And she said, how ridiculous. And how miraculous, because the, through the statement of Jesus, that is exactly what happened. And that's part of Jesus coming in a crucial time for his people, because Jesus in his Christophany, in his pre-incarnate personhood, he appeared and shared the truth that Isaac was going to be born. And Isaac was born, and we know the rest of the story, I trust. Now, the next story I'll share with you is about a man by the name of Joshua. Now, I love Joshua. He's such a good, good man. Because he had been faithful. He had been committed to the Lord. He had been committed to the truth. And remember, Joshua had gone into the promised land and been one of the spies. And then... The rest of the spies said, no, 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 we cannot go into the promised land. Those people in Jericho and all of those places in Canaan, they are bigger than giants. And we felt like little grasshoppers. We were so small. And so out of the 12 spies that went in, two, Joshua and Caleb, said, but God has said we could have this land. The rest of them said no. And so what happened? 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Now remember, Joshua was there. He and Caleb, they had to wander. Now a lot of the others died. But Joshua and Caleb had been faithful. And now it was time and Joshua, Moses has died. And Joshua is leading the people into the promised land. And they cross the Jordan River with the waters rolling back. I've talked to you about that. That's another miracle of miracles in scripture but now even though they're in Canaan they're in the promised land remember all of those ites were still there you know the Amalekites and the Moabites and all the ites were still there and they were opposing all of God's people and now Joshua is leading in this war that is going on and who does Joshua encounter he walks down a trail, and there in front of him 
is a man with a sword. And Joshua says, well, sir, or even calls him Lord. Are you for us or against us? And this Christophany, Jesus Christ in his preexistence, is standing there in front of Joshua. And Jesus said, I'm for neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army. In fact, Jesus is saying, I am the Lord. And Joshua was impressed with that, and he fell on his knees, and he said, Lord, what would you have of me? And Jesus, the Lord, this commander of the army, said, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. Now, after that, what happened? Joshua has got to fight the battles. What is the first battle that they're going to fight? Jericho. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And how did they come tumbling down? Because the Lord, this Christophany, this Jesus in his preexistence, gave Joshua an unbelievable plan. Do you remember the plan? It makes no sense in the world. Yeah, it goes round and round and round. You know, you take one day and you get the temple, I mean, you get the priest of the temp temple, and you get the horns, and you go around the, and you blow the horns, and, and then you do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day, you do it six, six days, and then on the seventh day, you go around the town seven times, and blow the horn, and be celebrating, but then when I tell you to shout, you shout, and what happens? The walls came tumbling down. <laughs> Thank you, Nell. She sang it right there. <laughs> and this is part of the Lord. This is part of the Christophany. And this, do you understand that that was their first victory in the promised land? Now, they spent years fighting and getting rid of all the ites. And, and so that they could possess this promised land that God had given to them. But Jesus appeared to Joshua. Do you understand that Jesus always comes when his people need him? And he wants to do that. Now the next one is in the book of Judges, 6th chapter. And it's with a man named Gideon. You know about Gideon. Now, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, they were having a very difficult time again in the promised land. And the Midianites, another one of those heights, was harassing them and defeating them and burning their crops and stealing all of their produce and killing all of their animals. And then Gideon had come under God's ordination to take care of them and Gideon is seeking to get together some grain so that they would not starve. And as Gideon is threshing the grain, a man appears. Now, in this instance, the man is called the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. Not a or an an angel of the Lord. That happens many times in the Old Testament. But the angel of the Lord is what? 
It's a Christophany. It's an appearance of Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate personhood. And Jesus comes to Gideon. And he tells Gideon that he is the Lord. And the Lord is going to take care of him. And Gideon almost laughs at him. What do you mean, my Lord? All this stuff that's going on and they are harassing us and they're defeating us. And they're running us away. They're doing everything. And you're saying that the Lord is going to take care of us? And the Lord said, yes, the Lord is going to take care of you. And Gideon asked for a sign. Gideon was a sign asker. Mm -hmm. And he asked for a sign. He said, well, Lord, if, if you're going to take care of me, then I need you to give me a sign. And so Gideon goes off to get stuff to worship the Lord. He gets a lamb. He, get, he makes bread. He puts it on a rock. And he asks the Lord for a sign. If you're going to take care of us, give me a sign. Well, Jesus in this Christophany, this pre-existent state, he reaches out and he touches the rock and the rock flares up with fire and it completely consumes the, the meat and the bread. Sounds like a pretty dramatic sign, right? Well, from there, please remember that this angel of the Lord, this Christophany, Jesus Christ, tells Gideon to do what? Gideon's got 32,000 armed men. 32,000. And Jesus says that that's too many. If you defeat the Midians with those, then you will get all the credit. So that's too many. And Jesus sets up a thing that reduces 32,000 down to 10,000. And so... Gideon probably is feeling pretty good. He's still got 10,000 men. But then what does happen? What does the angel of the Lord say? Oh, too many again. So we go from 10,000 down to 300. My goodness, that makes no sense whatsoever. But remember, this is Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate appearance to Gideon directing this whole thing and now he's saying Gideon you're going to defeat the Midianites with 300 men and Gideon says how in the world will we ever do that and Gideon is doubtful and more doubtful because then Jesus says all you can have is some torches and some pots makes no sense no swords no spears no chairs no horses no nothing and the Bible tells us that they went into the camp of the Midianites and caused such confusion by busting open the pots and waving their torches around that the Midianites turned on each other and they destroyed each other and ran each other away. Now, make sense? No. But guess what, folks? Please listen carefully. God doesn't always make sense according to me or according to you. It's, you know, we want logic. We want common sense. We want it to add up, to be practical, and also to be convenient and comfortable. Well, and I'm going to refer to this fine man that just spoke to us. 
1984, Dick Powell came to me in a ministry that I was running down in the beachfront. And Dick Powell, all by himself, said, I have a vision for feeding homeless and taking care of transient people. And he asked me if we would help because we had an established ministry there. And none of what I was doing or none of what Dick Powell wanted to do, his vision, none of that, Todd, made any sense. <laughs> Logic, it didn't figure out on paper. Practical, it didn't seem possible. Common sense, I looked at Dick and he looked at me and we said, uh-uh, pay attention to what Todd just said a few minutes ago. What is it? 37 years? How many years, Todd? 37 years. Hallelujah. God doesn't make sense. And Gideon and his people defeated and continued in the promised land. And I'll tell you one more quick story. Some people say they're not sure if this was a Christophany, but I really believe it was. It has to do with the book of Daniel. In the third chapter, three guys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were godly men under Daniel's leadership, as Daniel was a godly man. And they were being harassed by all of the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a crazy man. He just was nuts. And he was also listening to a lot of other evil men that were his advisors. And they had told Nebuchadnezzar, because these advisors were against Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they had said, well, we need to set up a statue of Nebuchadnezzar, a statue to be worshipped. And we need to put an edict out across the land. And we need to let everybody know that when... When music is played and when they hear this type of music, that everybody in the land is to bow down and worship this statue of Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar. And so they did that. And if people were not going to bow down, then what was going to happen to them? They were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. I mean, a horrible death just because they would not bow down to this idol that they were setting up. And so they did that. They built the statue. They played the music. Everybody bowed down, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so all the advisors went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, Look, they're not bowing down. They're not worshiping you. And so Nebuchadnezzar pulled him in, and he got angry with him. And he said, What is going on here? And don't you know that I'm going to kill you? I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace if you don't bow down. Do you know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? Please, go read it if you haven't read it. An amazing statement. They said, we know that our God will protect us and will rescue us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to a, a false idol we will always remain obedient and worshipful to our one and only true God. 
Now, I want to ask you, these are beautiful stories, but I don't want it to just be a storytelling time. I don't want it to be a history lesson. What would you do or what would I do if I was faced with certain death or renounce my faith in Jesus Christ? Now, I pray that you or I never face that, but I cannot in good conscience say that it will not happen. Please understand, end times are coming. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but our world is going this way, not this way. And you know that. And what, I'm going to be real dramatic here. I don't usually go this way. But what if at some time in the future, somebody is standing in front of you with a 45 automatic pistol pointed at your head, and they say, you either renounce Jesus Christ or I'm going to blow your head off. Now, could that happen? Yes. We hear about stuff around the world. Beheadings. Have you seen some of that in the news? Persecutions, families, children who are, are annihilated because they will not turn away from their Christian faith. So what would you do? What would I do? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said, we will stand firm on our faith and trust in Almighty God. And what did... Nebuchadnezzar did. He kicked up the furnace even hotter. And scripture tells us that when his advisors and when his military people threw these three young men into the fiery furnace, that the fire was so intense that it burned the people on the outside and killed them. And here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace in all of their robes and their turbans and all of that. And they're in, the doors are closed, and what does Nebuchadnezzar do? Scripture says he jumps up. He looks in the fiery furnace. And he says to all of his advisors, how many people did we throw into the furnace? Yeah, a little bit of humor there. How many people did we throw into the furnace? And they said three. He said, well, I see four. And one of them appears to be the Son of God, Christophany. Yeah, be thrilled at that, folks. Be absolutely thrilled at that. Because that's the Christ that we worship. That's the Christ that we believe in. Because Nebuchadnezzar takes these three men out. And they're not even... Their eyebrows are not even singed. Their clothes don't even smell like smoke. Do you understand the miracle? Do you understand that this is Scripture? I didn't make this up. Nobody made this up. This is Holy Spirit-led truth given in God's Word about the kind of Lord that we serve. And I will tell you the reason... I am convinced the reason that 
we have these Christophanies, these appearances of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The reason that we have the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ 2,000 plus years ago. The reason that we have the baby that grew up to be the man Jesus Christ that went to the cross. The reason is because of you. Because you need, I need, the presence and the power, the love and the freedom and the forgiveness and all that Jesus Christ gives to us in our darkness. Now, I want to finish by reading this part of the scripture. It says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot conquer it. Do you understand that this is why? I believe that because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he has always wanted to be with his people. He has always wanted to give light. He will always walk with you and allow you to walk with him. If. Now that's a huge word. Two letters. If. You and I will allow it and be obedient to his call. If we will accept his gift of his presence, he will be just like he was in these powerful stories from the Old Testament. And we are in the process here of looking at how to follow Jesus. And my goodness, he is worth following. So he will walk with you if. He will walk with me if. We will accept it. Let's pray.